Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. It's hard to believe, but we're like already to chapter 17 in the book of Isaiah. That's what we're going to pick up today, tonight, with this reading. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. The burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. So the book is called Isaiah. He's the prophet who gets visions, messages from God, uh, at least according to the way it reads. And now he's giving a vision, a prophecy about an area that actually still exists, Damascus in Syria. Um, so his prophecy, it seems, um, has failed because it's Syria is still a city and this is thousands of years later. Um, but let's see, maybe there's more to it. Verse 2, the cities of Aurora are forsaken. They will be for flocks which slide out, and no one will make them afraid. So um, these prophecies, if you can read any along with me in the New King James Version Bible, maybe I'll start announcing these as we read them. It says proclamation against Syria and Israel. So that's sort of the added, sub, so added subtitle um, for the chapter that lets us know the heading lets us know what each section is going to be about. So the prophecies is for an area called Aurora in verse 2. I don't know where that is, but I'm sure, like it said, you can use sort of a ancient uh, map, a map of ancient Israel, ancient Palestine, whichever you prefer, and see the Holy Land. However you want to word it, you can find it and see, and it's most likely included in this same region of Syria and Palestine, the Holy Land, um, that is Aurora. Um, so one from the last name about Damascus being a ruinous heap and cease from being a city. It didn't say that it, would, uh, it was going to be forever. So at some point, Damascus probably, almost certainly, in the course of history, was um, um, defeated or, you know, trampled, conquered by some other conquering power and did become a ruinous heap. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I'm no history buff, so I wouldn't know that to be sure. So I would almost certainly has come through um, just because of the region, if for no other reason. Um, verse 3, the fortress also will cease from, oh, so one last thing about that. So it didn't say that it wouldn't happen and then be reestablished. It didn't say that it was forever. It wasn't one of those forever prophecies, verse 2 that is. So verse, um, I'm sorry, verse 1 that is, verse 3. The fortress also will cease from Ephraim, the kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria. They will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. So um, when it says the Lord of hosts, um, Lord there is in all caps. So it's talking again. Let me just make sure I don't want to mislead or be misled myself. See, Lord, okay, so it's Jehovah again and being turned into the word Lord. But in this case, is including a longer title with it of host. It doesn't always say that. I'm not sure why sometimes that's included and why it's not. Um, and who the hosts are that the Lord is Lord of, who is being referred to there. But it sounds to me a lot like a pantheon, sort of like the Roman or Greco-Roman um, 
gods are set up to be, but I don't know, so I won't say for sure. Um, feel free to find that out yourself. Uh, but uh, back to what we're reading, uh, it seems that the prophecy is saying it's going to extend also to the kingdom of Israel, because that's where Ephraim is a reference to. Um, Damascus is from Syria, and um, saying that it, so apparently that's where it's it, it's the first three is making it clear that the doom is going to extend to both. It's not going to be limited to Syria, but also to Israel. Verse four: In that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob will wane, and the fatness of his flesh grow lean. So when it's talking about Jacob, it's talking about Israel. Um, the, the same person who got the name changed and then the, the nation and the people were um, later um, named for all relates to the same Jacob uh, here. And it's saying it's a prophecy against, again, uh, Syria, but also Israel, um, saying that the fatness will wane, meaning the richness, the splendor, the glory, the ease that people were used to would change. Verse 5, it shall be as when the harvester gathers the grain and reaps the heads with his arm, it shall be as he who gathers heads of grain in the valley of Raphane. So um, actually there it's saying it's going to be a time of plenty because the valley of Raphane generally refers to giants. So if there's a valley of giants, I would think that what they uh, reap in their harvests are actually giant also big and plump juicy grains i would think um but maybe that that sounds like what it implies to me but let's see maybe not verse six yet gleaning grapes will be left in it like the shaking of an olive tree two or three olives at the top of the uppermost bough four or five in its most fruitful branches says the god, lord god of hosts so it seems that the prophecy is saying the um, only the only thing left will be the gleanings. Like it would be if you're harvesting fruit from a tree, you're going to get everything you can to take to market or, you know, wherever you're, whatever you're going to do, what you're going to harvest it with. And only what's left behind by from the harvest is what's going to be left. So sort of going to be like you're going to be picked clean seems to be the prophecy so that's not good for um israel and syria and again these are prophecies that most likely have already come true this was thousands of years ago and none of this is red letters by the way so none of these are things that jesus are saying so they're not necessarily christian verse seven in that day a man will look to his maker and his eyes will have respect for the holy one of israel so it seems things are gonna, had gotten so tough, um, or according to the prophecy, which back then would be looking ahead, um, it's calling for things to get so bad that people are going to turn to God, which, you know, is a human thing to me, it seems. Even if people, people might not look to God when things are going good, and you've got lots of money in your pocket or in the bank, but when things are lean, that's when you start looking up, start looking for help and praying and finding God again, looking for and finding time for God again. Like when people get sick, when people pass away, when relationships end, 
when jobs end. Verse 7, in the day of man, and verse 8, he will not look to the altars, the work of his hands. He will not respect what his fingers have made, nor the wooden images, nor the incense altars. So things will get so bad, a low moment, where people are going to get real and have that come to Jesus moment, in a sense, where um, all the pretense will fall away, all the religious pretense and acting that people put on the show and it'll be a moment of okay it's time to get real like when you get a bad diagnosis or get a bad phone call when you lose someone or something really heart-wrenching happens it's one of those moments where there's no time for the bs anymore and things really get real um all that stuff falls away verse nine in that day the strong cities will be as a forsaken bough and an uppermost branch, which they left because of the children of Israel, and there will be desolation. So it's referring back there um, to the boughs and branches, um, saying in that day, meaning in the prophecy when it's fulfilled, um, those cities uh, were, are going to be left intentionally bare and stricken, but with intentionally just a few things left for the survivors intentionally so that they can make it and won't just die all together. And there's a couple of footnotes there attached to bow. In the, um, it says uh, in some versions, like uh, in, in some versions of the scripture, the Septuagint explicitly or specifically, it reads Hivites. Um, and in other in other scriptures, it says the Targum, it reads laid waste. So it's making it clear that um, the prophecy is calling for destruction so that there won't be any um, end of beauty. Let me see. And in um, one other footnote, it reads with the branch. The Septuagint reads. And the Septuagint, by the way, is just one version of, if I understand it correctly, the original Hebrew and Greek and or Greek. Or uh, uh, what's the other language? As a Babylonian, there's one other language, other language that uh, the scriptures were written in and originally written in, and then eventually translated and passed down to and through. If I remember right, uh, there were like five, and the Septuagint is one of them. If I remember right, don't quote me on that. Um, so anyway, that's how come there's different versions of the un, uh, understanding of what the original meaning was before the translations. Um, and so in and, and so in some translations, the uppermost uh, corn is what it reads instead of branch. But I think what it's saying, the point of it all is to say, what I was saying before, that there will be a little bit left of, uh, for the survivors. In the prophecy. Verse 10, because you've forgotten the God of your salvation and have not been mindful of the rock of your stronghold, therefore you will plant pleasant plants and set out foreign seedlings. So now Isaiah is saying what the people are doing wrong. Where they've gone wrong is leaving God behind in godlessness. And they're and he's saying that what they're gonna do is have make efforts to do things to make things grow and make things happen 
But how will that turn out? Verse 11, and that in the day you will make your plant to grow, and in the morning you will make your seed to flourish. But the harvest will be a heap of ruins in the day of grief and desperate sorrow. So Isaiah is saying their efforts will be in vain because it's going to come to nothing. It will end up going to nothing. It will um, be heaps of ruins, meaning nothing they can use. So all their efforts to plant seeds are going to end up being worthless. Verse 12, and it's going to be happening while they're most desperate. That's what the last part of verse 11 is saying. Verse 12, woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. So now Isaiah is saying trouble and doom to people who gather together and team up in an alliance of nations. But why? Verse 13, the nations will rush like the rushings of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will feel, flee far away and be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. So Isaiah is saying the efforts of nations are going to be basically like tumbleweed, subject to the wind tossed about, and God's going to be the one doing the tossing. Verse 14, then behold, at eventide, trouble, and before the morning, he's no more. This is the portion of those who plunder us and a lot of those who rob us. So um, Isaiah is saying terrible things are determined for Isaiah and Syria in the prophecies. But the people who are going to bring about those terrible things, the who stands those terrible things, are, are have the blood on them. Uh, woe to them uh, because uh, troubles in the prophecy for them, even though they're the ones that are determined by God to be used to make those prophecies of doom and horrible things happen, not just for Syria, but for Israel also. That's the last verse and my understanding of what it means. So that's where we're going to end this reading of the Naked Truth, but we'll also include today's verse of the day, passage of the day, and it is... Luke eleven twenty eight. That's Luke in the Gospels eleven twenty eight. So it's red letters, and it's more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke eleven twenty eight. Um, make sure I've got it. Yeah, Luke eleven twenty eight. But he said more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke eleven twenty eight. So that verse stands out to me. Um, or, you know, meditate, meditate on it uh, because it's an instance where someone called themselves being righteous and praising God and giving glory to God. You can read that in verse, the verse preceding it, verse 27. A woman speaks up as Jesus is basically giving his sermon um, and she thinks she's uh, being righteous and doing it and saying, blessed, uh, is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. Basically praising, giving praise even to Mary, his mama, for um, birthing Jesus and bringing him into the world. As you may or may not know, lots of religions make a whole uh, religion out of that. 
worshiping, ven um, uh, what did they say, venerating Mary and the apostles, even making them saints and John the Baptist and all sorts of people, um, making them, uh, venerating them as uh, things to be worshiped. Um, so when the gates of uh, the woman from the crowd shouting out as Jesus is doing his thing, um, in her mind trying to be righteous, Jesus responds with that saying more than that, saying, yeah, 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 thank you, uh, basically saying, thank you, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Bless uh, is my mama for birthing me and uh, and her breasts for nursing me. God bless her for that. Yeah, that's wonderful. But more than that, even more than Mary, even more than her boobs and her womb for um, doing what they did to bring me into this world, God bless her for them. More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God. So that's one, hearing what God has to say to us. That's these red letters. And this is the second thing, and keeping it. So here it's saying not just knowing what it is, what's righteous to do, but actually keeping it, meaning doing it. In another verse, in another passage in the Gospels, it says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. Luke 8, 21, the same gospel. Um, so it's, it's clear. It's like um, you have a recipe, but you say, oh, cool, I know what to do, but you choose not to do it. Or you have directions of how to get to the party. And you say, oh, cool, I know how to get there. But you choose not to follow them. So knowing what to do is great, but you have to do them. You know what medication you have to take to keep yourself healthy. You say, oh, cool, I know what to take. And you choose not to do it. It's a choice. It's yours. But um, the Gospels, these red letters, we know what they are. Do we do them? So that's where we're in this reading. Uh, thanks as always for joining me. Love you for it. I love you anyway. But thank you for joining me for it. See you next time. And by the way, my trip to Chicago was fabulous. We had a great time. See you next time. Peace be with you.